Welcome to Conscious Curiosity SD, where successful San Diego leaders share their stories of leading beyond profit and are using the influence of business to positively change the companies and communities we all work and live in. I'm your host, Jeff Blanton from Jailbreak Leadership, a unique set of processes that unlock the unlimited passion and potential of your team to create a 10x result in your business. We want to thank our collaborative community of San Diego business organizations, the Better Business Bureau, Conscious Capitalism, Be Local, and Cause San Diego. We're all focused on impacting the community of San Diego through the work they do as business leaders. Welcome to the show. GoDaddy's research initiative, Venture Forward, in a recent article stated San Diego is the top city nationwide for women-owned business startups. Well, that's really great news. It's wonderful to see that we're making progress around women-led businesses. But what has this journey looked like for women, not only today, but for more than 30 years in a male-dominated business. To give us the backstory today on Conscious Curiosity SD, I'm excited to have Nicole Donnelly from Miramar Kitchen and Bath Remodeling with us today. Nicole, welcome to the show. Thank you, Jeff. I'm honored to be here. Nicole started Miramar Kitchen and Bath in 1991. Over that time, they have done over 6,000 remodels. I met Nicole through the Better Business Bureau, where she has been an active on the board and most recently received the BBB for Good Verification for Purpose-Driven Businesses. So, Nicole, I'm very excited to learn about your journey as a business leader, get some insights for other leaders and how you were successful, understand why the relationship with the BBB, what's that all about, and I want to learn about this uh, BBB for Good. Sound like a plan? Absolutely. Sounds great. Thank you. Well, to jump right in, mm-hmm. <laughs> holding back nothing here, and kind of going back to the opening here, maybe you can give us, based on some reflection What's it look like to have been a women business leader over the last 30 years? Like, what did 30 years ago look like compared to today? So, you know, for the ladies today, "Ah, it's still a struggle, but it's like, yeah, what did it look like 30 years ago? What's that look like? So I grew up in the construction world in a way because my dad had a business where he manufactured culture marble. So I was around it and I was used to it. So I think I spoke the lingo. And when I started my business, I became very aware. I was 22, right out of college. People, and I have to say, but there were a lot of men who didn't want to do business with us because they found out I was the owner. So I figured out that if I could sort of hire middle-aged white men to be the salesperson, and that was sort of the face of the company, then we would do better than if people knew it was me. Now, that being said, 91, 92, 93, I remember some of the women would find out that I was the owner. And I had one gal, she's like, girl power. She was so excited. But for the most part, it was almost like People just assumed I didn't know anything. And I had been around this industry. I knew from watching my dad what to do and what not to do. So I feel like I had a pretty good business plan. I mean, I always tried to treat people with respect. I always believed that you need to treat your clients the way you would want to be treated. So our customer service, I feel like, has always been exemplary. But people didn't care about that. They cared about, could I set the tub for them. And, you know, realistically, that was not something that I could do. Your, that's not what you were trying and to that do. That is not what I was trying to do. I was trying to run a business. So it was definitely challenging. And I'll say being young and being a woman in the industry was a challenge. There were good sides, bad sides. I will say some people could be very accommodating. So when I had questions about pricing or whatever, I had, I will say, again, there were some very kind men who were willing to spend a lot of time explaining things to me, which was good because I will say, Getting into the residential side of remodeling is not, 
how I was raised. I was raised in the commercial side, so I knew. So this was a different business. It was, this, this wasn't like, here's dad's business, no. and we're just going to do that repeat. Exactly. It's actually something new. Completely different. And so my dad and I kind of learned as we went. I actually became one of his clients. So it was interesting. But so there were people that were very gracious, and then there were people that were just absolutely like, you'll never make it. I had companies that would not extend credit to me because they knew that I wouldn't be there in a few years. And I didn't realize. Did you feel that was based on being an early start company or just because you were a woman? I think being a young woman, I think that was part of it. When I started in 91, now unbeknownst to me, I graduated college in 90. We had just come off this big housing boom. So when I started, it was a really depressed market and a lot of competitors, again, I didn't know they were competitors. They were going out of business. So I start this business. There's the bliss of youth. <laughs> yes. Oh, my gosh. Absolutely. The time to start a know, business. I didn't know I was supposed to do this. I, I had nothing to lose, everything to gain. It was perfect. Right. But it was really my dad. My dad said, hey, you know, I have this client. He needs somebody to take over his lease on this kitchen and bath showroom. Why don't you do that? And 22-year-old good buddies with dad. I said, sure. Why need a not? job. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Something that my dad knew about, but he didn't understand the residential side. So he and I kind of learned that together. Ultimately, I think I'd been in business like four or five years. And a friend of mine from high school, his dad said, most businesses don't last five years. I was like, really? Okay. Again, that useful. I didn't know that. Yeah, I had no idea. I will say from the beginning, I think I always felt like this is a good business. Things just sort of grew from 1991 to about 1994. And then I had kind of a big life-changing shift. My dad, who I'm very close to, I am going to fast forward a little bit. My dad is still alive today. But in 1994, he had two massive strokes. And it was about a year. We didn't know if he would live or not. So I had my 26-year-old midlife crisis. You got it headed early? Yeah. Are you the only sibling? No, my sister and I. But it was interesting because up until that point in work, I just went to work. The business was growing. I mentioned that the economy had been bad because a lot of my competitors were going out of business. So companies didn't want to give me credit. But really, I was one of the few that was still around and I was growing. And my trajectory was growth. I thought I had a great business plan. I was thinking about franchising. And then my dad has these strokes and it was like, huh, what I, the other thing that happened though is of course, when he went into the hospital, someone had to run his business. So that was my job. So I started with my handful of employees and then I got his 20 and I realized, wow, this is a lot of work. Like this will give you a stroke. Yes, exactly. (laughs) And I had read an article years before pre-internet that said most contractors don't live past 60 because of the stress. And I was like, whoa. And here's my dad living proof of that. I'm like, holy cow. I really did have a shift. It took about a year. You're starting to question your career path at this point. Oh, absolutely. (laughs) Yeah. Well, and you know what? I think more than anything, I started to focus less on the growth and more about customer service. And it really became about a family, the people that worked for me, the people I did work for. It was a different trajectory. And I think my definition of success changed. Before it was like, you had to be bigger. I had to be the biggest. I had to, Capitalism at its best, Nicole. Oh my gosh, exactly. And then at that point, it's like, what am I doing and how can I have a good life? And I think that was the first time I started thinking about giving back as well. Wow. So there's the big shift, right? I mean, that's a little bit what this podcast is about, conscious capitalism and all that kinds of stuff. It's the idea of- Beyond profit. Yes, mm-hmm. it's got to have profit. It's important. Right? Yeah. But there's a whole lot more to it. And I love that philosophy. In fact, I was talking to 
one of my clients yesterday and I just kind of got excited because I always had this philosophy when I was running projects and stuff. It's like, if I get the people right, everything else will work out. Yeah. And that's what his philosophy is. And I get to be participating with him. <laughs> He'll mm -hmm. make that happen. Yeah. And so that's kind of where you landed too. Like get my employees right. Get the mm -hmm. customers right. And let's just see what happens from there. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Love it. Absolutely. I know. It's been great. I think I've always had something in the back of my mind too, after I've been doing this for a few years, learning that a lot of businesses don't survive past five years. I became very aware that this community really supported me and I wanted to do something to give back. And after my dad's stroke, I had adopted my first dog, never had a dog, grew up with the crazy cat lady. And this three-year-old lab chow mix came into my life and he also changed the trajectory. I definitely became more involved with animal rescue. And as a business, we started giving back that way. That's been probably the best part of my life. I'm on the board of a local animal welfare sure, organization. It's called SNAP, mm -hmm. the Spay and Neuter Action Project. In my life, I have adopted, now I'm on dogs 11 and 12 that I've adopted. At one point in my life, my husband and I, we had eight dogs, two cats and us. Ran a whole kennel. Oh my gosh, it was crazy. So you're the, you're the first one to tell you why kid you walk out with it. <laughs> oh my, that's the thing. I mean, people would say to me, oh, I have this dog. Can you just watch her for a few months while I find a new place to live? Okay, well, 11 years later, that's my dog. But it was great because we started getting involved with some of the bigger animal rescue groups. And, and again, we tried to adopt them all and we realized you can't. So when I heard about SNAP, the Spay and Neuter Action Project, trying to help bring low-cost spay and neuter to underserved communities, it was just a perfect— Help solve the problem a bit. Having, yes, right. exactly. So that's sort of where the last— that's your passion years. project. It really, really is. Love yeah. That. So kind of interesting. So as you're a business leader today in the marketplace and as a woman leader, is that flipped at some level? Do you feel that there's at some level an advantage to being a woman in today's marketplace? Or do you still feel it's a disadvantage? Or what's your thought there? I absolutely think it's an advantage. And I have to say getting older has helped too, because even though, of course, we learn as we grow, but even at 30, people would look at me and say, oh, she's a kid. Mm. And then I hit 50 and people are like, oh, she's a woman. She understands. And it's just a different... From girl to woman. Oh, yes. so, oh now you know something. <laughs> yes, exactly. Exactly. And I literally used to have to tell somebody else what to say to go out and tell a person because they wouldn't take it from me. But now, absolutely, it's completely changed. And I think being a woman in business has been really beneficial. I think people know that there's a different experience with women in business sometimes. Not to say that all contractors are the same, but they have a reputation. And I don't have that reputation, I hope. I tend to say what I mean, do what I say. That's one of my favorite compliments from clients. They say, you did exactly what you said when you said you do it. I'm like, imagine that. Yeah. Like I, <laughs> we should all sort of expect that from businesses we work with, but I guess it's not true. Yeah. Had that experience this week. For some mm. reason, power went out in half my house and then well, water came back up through the <gasps> toilet. Problem, right? Oh no. Because we've had some ongoing issues with that, but this time we had a little more flooding and even yesterday, it was like the plumber came out on Sunday. Of course, all these things happen mm -hmm. on Sunday. It didn't seem very equipped to do the job. And it was going to, we'll go back to you tomorrow at 730 in the morning. Well, at one, I'm like, going, okay, yeah, what right. time? Uh, what? So back to, yeah, you're sitting there going, you know, it'd be great to have a 
toilet in this house. Yes, exactly. Exactly. <laughs> serious, yeah, it's serious stuff. Well, I mean, that's the case. You're in people's homes. You're doing kitchens. You're doing mm-hmm. bathrooms. I mean, that's highly disruptive to people. And mm-hmm. do people yes. typically live through those projects inside the house? And yeah. Yeah, they do for ours. They do. And all of the people that work for me, we talk a lot about you have to treat their home as if it's yours, right. which I absolutely appreciate. Making I mean, a mess and everything else, right? Yeah. And it makes noise and it's dusty. And so you got to put things up. And we have some very conscientious people that are working in your homes, which is fantastic. It makes my life so much easier. So speak to that a little bit. Talk about your team. How do you go about hiring? How do you find the right folks that, yeah. that you can count on that can represent you going to people's homes and treat it like their home? So how do you build your team? One of our installers been with us 20 years. My husband has worked with me for 30. I want to talk about that too. Oh yeah. (laughs) (laughs) How does that work? (laughs) Yeah. No, I have some long-term people. We're a small core group, but I've actually just worked with people for a long time. And we hired someone new last year, I believe in hiring slowly. So we want to make sure it's a good fit for our culture. I have some lovely women in the office that work with me. When I started, it was very much I was the only woman, and then there were a lot of men. And it's been so nice to have these women work for me in the last 15 years. Yes. Oh, my gosh. And they're lovely. And they're, I say this, and I don't say it lightly. I mean, kitchen and bath remodeling, there's a lot of design work and a lot of talent that goes behind it. And that is not me. I am very good behind the scenes, getting things organized. I'm great with logistics. I want to make sure everything happens the way it's supposed to. But I will say, people look at me and they assume, because I'm a woman, that I must be this great designer. And I hate to tell him, but I'm like, talk to my husband. He's actually much better than I am. Is that funny how we have these preconceived notions about things? Mm-hmm. Kind of like, like back to your age issue, right? It's yeah. like all of a sudden, hey, I'm 35. Now I know something, right? Just because right. I look like I know something, right? Right. I met plenty of six-year-olds that still, still don't know anything, Oh, my right? gosh. Yeah, exactly. But it's like, I know. I'm, I'm up in the years now. It's like I see folks in their 20s and 30s, and they look so young, and they're younger I than my know. kids. And I still like, oh, I don't write kids. Like, right? I know. So, so we do have this way of kind of having these preconceived notions about things. But I mean, I was at the Pacific Beach Town Council installation dinner this past weekend. Mm -hmm. And for the last year, uh, this fella has been running it. I think he's 24 years old. You know, typically those organizations are all the kind of the old folks in town, Mm -hmm. right? And I mean, he does this awesome job. He's future in politics or something. Yeah. I don't know. But I mean, it's highly impressive and makes you go, all right, our future is going to look okay. Because yes. this is what the young folks look like. So it's yeah. good stuff. So kind of back to the team a little bit. You say, you want to make sure it matches the culture. It's like, what's the culture? How would you describe it? How have you established it? I mean, you got values on the wall. How do you, you create know, that? I am a firm believer. I don't know that I've always followed it, but I'm a firm believer in work-life balance. So the people that do well working for me are the people that actually have a life outside of work. They have to take pride in what they do. At the end of the day, pretty much everyone that works for me is a craftsman or an artist of some sort. So I need someone who likes to look at their project and take pride in it. Okay. I don't have people that just walk in and say, yeah, you know, I can hit a, hit a nail with the hammer. Yeah. yeah. Check the box. Yeah. So that's really important. And Everybody has a life. For me, I'm not one who wants to stand over people and tell them what to do. Everybody has to be independent. We're all there to work together. It's very collaborative. I don't want people feeling like it's an us versus them. And I will say in the beginning, when I started and I was growing and I had a lot more people, there became this sort of the guys that worked inside versus the guys that worked outside. And I became mom. And that was a challenge because I couldn't seem to figure out. It was almost like somebody felt like they were getting preferential treatment over the others. 
So that is completely gone now, even though now I'm old enough to be everyone's mom. But what did you do? How did you solve that problem? I think it was attrition. I think in 2007, 8, 9, I mean, I had the same team for so long, which was wonderful. But when the Great Recession hit, I lost some people. They had to move out of town or somebody had unfortunately passed away. And so the team dynamics changed. And where I had sort of a management level where people were in charge of other people, all of a sudden everything came back to me. And I was... So you got, was, when you got smaller, like that, yes, that layer went away. Exactly. And my husband, to his credit, he's from Ireland, so he's got that great Irish charm. He's very technical and he can build anything and create anything and design anything. And so at that point, it was 2008, I think, I said, you have to come in and help me with sales. And he said, absolutely not. And of course, <laughs> within the first year, he was the best salesperson we ever had. And, you know, I think it changed once he was in front of people, too. It became more of a husband and wife group. And then that really kind of promoted the family. And back to the sense of family. Yeah. yeah. Nice. Yeah. And so it's been that way ever since. We've worked together almost 30 years. And I will tell you, so many people, they say, how do you do it? I'm, yes. I, well, there's my question. I know. I how mean, do you do it? Come I, on, Nicole. What's the secret? I would say, I think having a healthy respect for each other, knowing that we each do different things, I don't do what he does and he doesn't do what I do and we don't want to. Have your own domain. Yes, absolutely. And I have a lot of respect for what he does. And I think that helps. And he has a lot of respect for what I do. And it's interesting because when you're working in people's homes, you really get to know them. And it's fun to see people come in as couples and how they communicate. And we sort of know how a job is going to go. Especially around like this, right? Yes, <laughs> yes. Unless come out, yeah. Yeah. And you can see, you people's know. People's thoughts about money, right? Absolutely. Yeah, yeah. And it's so funny to me how people say, oh, I don't care. I don't care. Whatever you want, dear. Oh, we know that's not the case. We absolutely know it's not the case. But we'll have people full on argue in front of us. And it's like, whew, you know, we become marriage counselor because this should not be a stressful situation. This is your home. We're trying to make it beautiful or something's broken and we're trying to fix it. Like, it's okay. So, yeah, but a lot of people say, how in the world can you work with your husband? And I don't know any other way. I mean, he's just great to be around. I hope he doesn't listen to this because then he's going to. What do you mean? I mean, he's going to be a big old <laughs> ego, but no, he's really wonderful. We make a good team and he's been my biggest cheerleader, which is great. I hope I can be his too. How do you separate the professional and the personal? I mean, do you guys, it's 630. We no longer talk about uh, kitchen remodels. You or, know, I mean, how do you not have this bleed into everything you do? Yeah, we have that conversation. It depends on what's going on. There have been times where it's really stressful and we do say, okay, when we get home, no work. But for the most part, I mean, I grew up in this industry. When I see my dad, we talk about it. My uncle and my aunt were in the industry. So family dinners are incredibly boring for everybody else, but we love them. So for the most part, we just talk about it. If it starts to get stressful, then we're like, okay, stop. And at those times where we say, is it okay if I talk about work? And then the other person has the right to say yes or no. Mm. And then we can pick it up the next morning. But really, it has been a back and forth. We've had a long time to figure out what works for us. Well, that's excellent. My wife and I, it's kind of interesting. She has her thing that she does, and you've participated in some of the stuff, and I got my thing, and I got what I can do, and she's a great executor. She's like you, right? I mean, she's the one that just goes and gets things done. I'm more the strategy kind of mm -hmm. guy. And so there's a lot of support each way, but I can't imagine the two of us working together. <laughs> I, I <laughs> right? hear that all I really, the time. I really just, it would take a lot of super energy to 
<laughs> I don't know if we're like Enneagram people and it's like her number, my number is considered ice and fire. Oh, how funny. <laughs> yeah. yeah. So it's like a, a difficult, difficult combination. Yeah. Powerful and great when it's working. Yes. But, yes. But it's like a, a thin line. You gotta be pretty careful. <laughs> well, and it was, it was interesting because during COVID when everybody was home, we know a lot of people and all of a sudden it was the first time they're working together. And Martin and I were used to it. So it's like, oh, but we did see there's that friction. You have to kind of figure out how to get through it. I have a lot of friends that were like, whew, I can get back to the office, you know, happy to have somewhere else to go. So what did you do with dad's business? Did you end up spinning that off or did um, you just absorb it in? Because it yeah, was entirely different, right? Yeah, so. that was completely different. I ran it for about a year and then that just kind of went away. Okay. Yeah, which was good. I have to say, though, for anybody, my dad is incredibly smart. He never wrote anything down. So when he had the strokes. Not, not super helpful. If uh, no, no. It took me <laughs> probably to file, that year. Right? Yeah. Yes. Oh, my goodness. He sort of had a lot of irons in the fire, if you will. He was mortgaging this and buying this and leveraging this. And like I, a realer dealer. Oh, my gosh. Yeah. So it, it all worked out. It all worked out. He was kind of, he was forced into retirement. He ended up spending some time with me for a while. Once he got better, he used to like to hang out with us and just kind of hang out in the office and share his stories with everybody. He still probably would, but now he actually has more of a social life, so he's busy. Right. So he had a pretty good recovery from... He did not, believe it or not. I mean, it was a forced retirement. He has never been able to drive again. Oh, man. He sounds kind of funny, so... But he's still my dad. He's still yeah. a character. Stroke scares me. Give, yeah. Give me a good heart attack. That's my. Oh, my. <laughs> <laughs> no, no, no. No strokes. You know, but me. strokes <laughs> you can come back from. He knows in the very beginning he was told to do a lot of physical therapy and things. And he, right, right. he didn't. Yeah. You have to rewire right away. Yeah. That's... But if you could see where he came from to now, he's done remarkably well. He really oh, is. The fact that he's still here and he's living independently, which is oh, amazing. Good. Yeah. Well, we're sitting here at the BBB doing this podcast. Mm -hmm. I met you through the BBB. You've been highly involved with this organization. So maybe share a little bit what drew you to the BBB. And yeah. So that was my dad also. In 1991, when I started, my dad said, you have to join the BBB. And I didn't know what that was. But literally, people would walk into my showroom and there was the Better Business Bureau logo. And they would whisper to each other like, okay, we can go with them. Because it oh. really instilled trust. And this was a long time ago, I think before we were called accredited businesses. So I had been with the BBB, I think at the 25 year mark, I showed up on their radar, you know, my silver anniversary and the then CEO reached out to me and invited me to a luncheon and we got to go to the Torch Awards and be recognized. It was lovely. And then she asked me to- Are you a past Torch winner? No, I have never. Yeah, that's a whole- Whole other story. <laughs> it's a, yeah. There's so much work involved. I know. I've been asked Throw to do it. And, ring and yeah, we'll see. Maybe in a couple of years when I have a little more time. But I got to go to the awards, of course. And, and They're awesome. Yeah, they're, they're fantastic. Yeah. So the gal at the time asked me to join the board. I did. And literally, my first meeting, she said- So this was uh, back in your 20s? No, this is now- I'd been in business 25 years. This is 2016. Oh, okay, okay. So I joined the board of the Better Business Bureau. And our first meeting, she said, Welcome, everybody. I'm retiring. You need to find a new CEO. And that was my first board meeting. So I was able to be part of the group, kind of a backseat, but got to be around during the whole merger and be involved. And so all the, what we have today with Matt today, and all this. Wow. Okay. So which you're is behind amazing. the scenes and all that. Yeah. Which was fantastic. And what I love is, again, being in business in 91 and knowing that BBB really stood for trust and it was ethics in the marketplace. But then we got this fun thing called the internet and Yelp and Angie's List and 
people started thinking that we were just old people Yelp. It was uh, a place uh, to, you know, send I, a review. I don't want to do an email, so yeah. <laughs> I got in the BBB. Right? Yeah, exactly. And there's so much more to it. And it was great because with this merger also, we have where we're sitting today. We have a podcast room. We have a campus. We have things that can help make businesses better. So it's been really exciting to be part of that and to see there's things you mentioned GoDaddy where we can scale a business. We can help businesses start, grow, whatever they want. And create a community. It's not just a bunch of business out there with the insignia on the wall or whatever, but it's like here's a community place where we come together and Mm -hmm. do things together. And I hadn't really been that familiar. I knew of the BBB, but Mm -hmm. I really didn't have an interface until – I was looking for a podcast room, you yeah. know, and I came here and I went to the Torch Awards and I went, oh my goodness, I'm doing this thing for conscious capitalism. Yeah. This is like a conscious capitalism event, right? Yeah. And then, of course, I got to know Matt and I went, wow. And I go, oh, this isn't a normal BBB? This whole thing we're doing here is a whole different model? Right. Like, yeah, yeah. So this is an awesome, awesome program they have here. Yeah, it is. And then last year you mentioned, so I got to be board chair last year. And part of being you the made it to the queenship. Yes, it's so exciting. It's, it's really, it's really, it's such an honor. And, and it's Orange County too, right? So it's Orange County. Yeah. San Diego, Orange County, Phoenix. Yeah, so it's the, the South, Pacific BBB Southwest. The Southwest yeah. yeah. So it's fun. I get to go to the different areas. And part of being board chair is they say you get a board theme. So it's for board engagement. And keep in mind, I'm joining. I know I'm going to be the board chair in 2023. We had this looming recession and I was reminded of how bad it was in 8, 9, 10, and especially with some of the nonprofits that I worked with. It was really challenging for them. And so my board theme became looking forward, giving back. And it was perfect timing because last year was the year that we were launching BBB for Good that you mentioned being kind of a purpose-driven business. So if you're an accredited business, you can also get verified as a BBB for Good because of your work in the community. So talk about that a little bit. So this is a new program, right? Yep. And not nationwide either, right? I mean, it's only rolled out in a few of the... It's only been rolled out in a few areas. Yeah. And so BBB Pacific Southwest has it. I appreciate that you have to put in some legwork. They want to make sure that you are truly doing something in the community that has purpose. So with all of our years of animal welfare, it became kind of simple. And I have to say, everybody that I work with on the board as well, every single one of them has a cause that they are involved in. And so it's sort of an opportunity to bring that to the forefront because consumers care more mm-hmm. today than ever. Absolutely. It's important that we're giving back because at the end of the day, you know, I think when I was 26 and my dad got sick, I had that big why moment. What's the point? And I realized like the point is to give back. That's really why we're doing this. At the end of the day... It's not about you, Nicole? Surprisingly, no. (laughs) I mean, nobody cares that much. So the BBB for good, I think, has been a great addition. And I think moving forward, I hope that more businesses really focus on how they're giving back. And I think they do. And the employees here, I mean, the whole staff at BBB all the board. It's amazing. Some of the programs that they're involved with. Thanks to you, I know more about Shoreline Community Services. And that's also because of BBB. So that's right, amazing. Right. Yeah. Samantha was like a, kind of the person helping put that on last year and a yeah. whole bunch of folks from the BBB were there. And you guys were at the kickball yes. tournament too. <laughs> well, yeah, they were at the kickball. I didn't you go didn't to kickball. That one. Yeah. I did the black tie bingo. That was a lot of fun. It was kind of interesting because Actually, I remember talking with Matt, right? And so one of our collaborators is the B Local, which is the B Corp companies, mm-hmm. which has a very, very intensive process for fleshing out and becoming certified, which 
probably too much for most smaller businesses. Mm -hmm. And so I know Matt's idea was this is sort of a B Corp light, you know, kind of designed for the Main Street business that we can focus in, Mm -hmm. look at the good things. The other things that are really exciting was I've been sitting in some collaboration meetings between the Conscious Capitalism San Diego Mm -hmm. and, and the staff here at the BBB. Talking about, great, I mean, this is all in line with what Conscious Capital does. So what can we be doing together to mm-hmm. help promote these programs and support all this good stuff? Which, mm-hmm. for me, that's like one of the things I would love to see. Mm-hmm. Just more collaboration. To your point, so many companies are doing their thing kind of individually in their silo. And then we have these organizations doing their thing. Mm-hmm. Imagine if we actually did some things together. Yes. What, what would that look like in our community? Yeah, absolutely. And I think that's true. And I think that that's the other thing I'm so fortunate that I've been in business so long. And there are some people that recognize the name of the business. And so I can bring different people together, which has been nice. And there's so many people out there that want to help and they just don't know how. And I would tell people, just do something. Right, right. You know, don't don't get overwhelmed. Nobody can do everything, but everyone can do something. And do I'm, something that's in line with who you are. Your animals, do animals. Absolutely. Right? I mean, just pick the thing that you're passionate about. Yeah. And then invite some other people into it, right? I mean, absolutely. It's not, it's not more difficult than that. I know. I agree. So doing this podcast actually was an eye-opener for me, right? So I wrote Jailbreak Leadership, and then that led to like, oh, purposeful companies, all this, which led to conscious capitalism, and then really started this with conscious capitalism. And then I started sitting here, all of a sudden I started, I learned about the BBB. Mm -hmm. I learned about B Corp. I didn't know all that even existed five years ago. Wow. And then everywhere I go, just like you said, Mm -hmm. many people are doing many things. Yeah. You just don't know they're doing it. Exactly. Yeah. And I think it's important that we start promoting it. And Businesses make up the community. So I think... I believe we're the most influential people here, right? We've yeah. got employees. I mean, the domino effect yeah. of someone having a job they enjoy, they like, and go home at the end of the day. Mm-hmm. I mean, yes, we are the influencers. We have the money at the end of the day. Yeah, exactly. So, yeah, what are we doing with this influence that we've got? That's the question. Yeah, exactly right. And because of my work in the animal world, many times I've had people call and say, oh, you're that company that helps animals. And I think, you know, at the and end of the day- And we do remodeling. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and there, you're going to get a new toilet out of the deal. But, you know, at the end of the day, I feel like if that's what people remember about us, then it was then worth right, it. Right, right. Job well done. Yeah, absolutely. And we want to do a good job in your home, of course. Right. Well, speaking of San Diego, long mm-hmm. time. Are you originally from San Diego? Nope. I was born in Northern California. I came here when I was 10, though. So I'm okay. going to- Call myself a kind of a native. Close enough. Yeah. yeah. I didn't get to RS20, so got, you, <laughs> you got me beat. What do you see in our community? I mean, as far as there's lots of things to point to that we got challenges, but what are you excited about? What makes you optimistic about both our community and maybe just the bigger picture business or whatever? What's got you excited, Nicole? Oh, my gosh. Right now, I think everything I do is focused on the animal world. I'm seeing a lot of collaboration right now on that end. With Snap, during COVID, everything kind of got shut down. But I feel like I'm seeing people putting together new organizations that can help people and animals. So that's what I'm seeing. I'm seeing there's a huge drive to keep the unhomed with their pets. Right. Because that is their constant companion. Ah, it's their friend. Yeah. I mean, there are people, if they are given a meal, they will give it to their animal and go without for themselves. So I'm seeing a lot of collaboration right now in the animal world and the unhomed community. And I feel like we're sort of hopefully shining a light on the need. And if we can help them in any way. Nice. Yeah. It offers a challenge on the other side too, because I know that it's like, as you know, my wife works in that space and it's Mm -hmm. like, yeah. So how do people go to work? How do people deal with things when you have an animal, right? Mm -hmm. Which is that animal is like the most important thing in your life, right? Mm -hmm. 
So it offers some challenges the other side, which may be that's something you guys address. Okay, what do you do if, right. if you're unhoused and you have an animal, but I need to do some other things that I can't bring my animal mm-hmm. with me, right? Oh, that's actually really interesting. Like, yeah. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> no, I like that. No charge for that. Yeah, thank you. Thank you. <laughs> no. Get on that. <laughs> yeah, I'm going to work on that. So that's my next thing. Thank you. I appreciate that. I love that. So what's the big question I should be asking you? I mean, here you are, 30 years, successful business, been through the downturns, everything else. What's some wisdom that you would like to share with other leaders that are out here on this journey? Maybe a few years younger than us mm-hmm. and still trying to figure it out a bit. Maybe there's still a girl, not a woman. Whatever. Mm, right. Like, any words of wisdom? I think I would just say, learn your why. We all know what we're doing. Hopefully we know what we're doing. But I mean, why are we doing it? And I'm fortunate that I learned relatively young that there was a bigger picture out there. But I think just thinking beyond ourselves why do we do what we do and what do we want our legacy to be? Any guidance on how to figure that out? Because a lot of people don't know the answer to that. Gosh, I feel like everybody has something that they're passionate about. Like for me, it was adopting a dog and who knew it would take me down this path, fostering a cat, helping clean up the beaches, go to black tie bingo, <laughs> learn about the need. I think it's just sort of being out in the community that's what I learned in my whole kind of purpose, why pursuit, mm-hmm. which actually was a bit of a game changer for me when I realized it wasn't about me. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. Because all my earlier pursuits, like, what would make me look good? What would make me happy? Mm-hmm. Right? It was me, 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 me. And I never could quite land on it. And then one day this that flipped around. So, well, actually, maybe it's an act of service where you actually do something for somebody else. Exactly. And, uh, oh, by the way, service equals joy. Exactly. <laughs> right? I know. And we kind of know these things intuitively, but, you know, yeah. it's not obvious. And especially kind of back to the way in America, kind of how we're raised, right? It's mm-hmm. all about getting your stuff, right? Get, get, get. Absolutely. So, uh, yeah. So flipping that equation around was very helpful for me and figuring out what I do. No, I agree. I know some of the young people in my life, they'd say, I just want to be happy. I just want to be happy. And I'm like, let's break that down. Like, what is happy? And then we have the joy conversation because really when something comes from deeper inside, I think it actually gives you a lot more fulfillment. Well, it is an inside job. Yeah. There you go. That's yeah. what I've learned. Happiness isn't out of here. This will continue to disappoint. Right. Right. <laughs> it's really about this inside job and your ability to actually, regardless of what's going on, be able to go, wait a minute, I see this for what it is and mm-hmm. put it in this right place. So, yes. Well, we got to put a bow on this. This has been a lot of fun chit-chatting with you. Thank you. You said, I, I got nothing to say, Jeff. What am I going to talk about? <laughs> <laughs> and you say, okay, time, time. Well, any big you. final thought? What's the big idea? Is anything you want people, you kind of just mentioned the why, but any other big idea you just say you want people to walk away with? Well, of course, I'm going to say, please, if you're thinking of getting a pet, please adopt. That would be my big takeaway. Whatever animal you bring into your home, please make it part of your family and keep it forever. And I would say first, do no harm. I think, isn't that Buddhist? First, just do no harm. Love it. All right. Well, Nicole, I want to thank you for taking the time to come on the show today and share your story with us. Love the work you're doing. Love thank the you. idea of building a family operation and what mm-hmm. how that turned into profit, right? Yeah. Getting the people right, mm-hmm. treating the customers right is the way to go. So again, thank you very much. Appreciate it. Thank you, and Jeff. All the things you do here at the BBB as well. Thank you. It's my pleasure. Well, that's our show for today. And if you enjoyed it, please subscribe, comment, and most importantly, share the podcast with a friend. Again, special thanks to our collaborative community of San Diego business organizations, Better Business Bureau, Conscious Capitalism, Be Local, Business for Good, and Cause San Diego. We're all using the influence of business to positively impact our very own community of San Diego. I'm Jeff Lanton from Jailbreak Leadership saying until next time, go do what you do. Go do what you do best, or we're all counting on you.